Can you hear me? Awesome. All right. Thank you, guys. There really are a few things that I love more in life than getting to sing about the gospel with you guys on the Sunday morning. So thank you, worship team, for that. I, I can always barely get through that song, King of Kings, honestly, um, without getting choked up. But uh, thank you for, for being here today. If you're watching online, thank you for joining us. We're continuing our, our summer series. We've been in all summer on Proverbs called The Pursuit of Wisdom. And today, going to be talking about something that probably has nothing to do with anyone here except for me, and that is anger. Um, to be honest, I, I was excited to get to preach about this topic today, but also feeling like a bit of a hypocrite, um, because if I'm honest, I, I have an anger problem. Um, kids, this is for you. This is from actually one of my favorite Pixar movies, uh, Inside Out, but um, you know, if you, if you see me as someone who's basically just really mild-mannered and calm, you're like, you don't have an anger problem. Well, I actually do. Um, as, a, as a kid, I actually lost my temper pretty regularly, especially with my siblings. Um, when they were being annoying, I would throw them around regularly. Um, as a young man, I, I was at college baseball games a lot. My dad was a college baseball coach. And there were multiple times where... I lost control over what I was saying to the umpires. Um, not using profanity, but let's just say I was not exactly blessing them in the name of the Lord. Um, and uh, when, I, when I drive, I confess, I, I turn into a driving Pharisee. It's like everyone else is just an idiot on the road. I'm the only one who knows how to drive. And I know that I'm totally alone in all of these things. No one else can relate. But... I at least need, need the wisdom of the Lord to, to deal with anger. And thankfully, Proverbs has a lot to say about anger. Start here. Proverbs 27.4 says, Wrath is cruel, anger is overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? Wrath and anger are very frequently paired together, 41 times actually, in the Bible. And in this verse, the, the picture of anger is, is like an overwhelming flood. So picture a tsunami or a, a hurricane and just imagine the, the damage, the violence, the destruction that's in the wake of a storm like that. That's how anger is pictured here. Proverbs 29, 22 says, a man of wrath stirs up strife and one given to anger causes much transgression. And in the, in, the, in the Hebrew language, it's kind of a fun fact, um, basically in the Hebrew when it's translated literally into English, anger basically means snorting nostrils. I'm actually not a, a Hebrew scholar, but just according to my research and things I've read, anger means snorting nostrils. And so it's a very physical picture of what anger looks like. And you, you can relate to this, I think. Um, when you get angry, your blood pressure starts to rise. Your face might turn red. You maybe start breathing quicker. Your, your body knows that you're angry. But it's important to note that, that anger is not a bad emotion in and of itself. Um, one guy that's been helpful for me, a, a Christian counselor by the name of David Pallison, he says this is how he describes anger. He says, at its core, anger is very simple. It expresses, I'm against that. 
It's an active stance you take to oppose something that you assess as both important and wrong. He also says, anger always makes a value judgment. Anger is always a moral matter. I think that's such a helpful way to think about it. That Anger is basically a window into your heart, into the things that your heart is valuing and prioritizing. And the Bible never speaks of that we need to cut the emotion of anger out of our life altogether. In fact, there are things in life that it's actually very appropriate that we feel anger towards. If you see children being abused, women being trafficked, a false gospel being preached in the church, that actually should arouse anger. That is good and righteous anger. But if we're honest, maybe I'm just speaking for myself here, too oftentimes if anger is a window into the values of my heart, it doesn't reflect righteous values, but it reflects misplaced values or what the Bible would call idols. But the tricky thing for me at least is I can be feeling good anger, righteous anger, and then before I even realize it, sinful anger, unrighteous anger has creeped in and they get mixed up together where it's hard to tell where one is when one starts and the other um, begins. And an example for me is in, is in parenting. Um, if, if one of my kids breaks a rule or hurts the other one, I feel a, a level of anger towards that, and I think that's probably right. But almost without me realizing it, before I even know it, my anger has much more to do with the fact that they've inconvenienced me or that they've disrespected me. And so it's become a very helpful, soul-piercing question for me to ask myself, am I angry because of sin in my kid's heart that they need to be rescued from? Or am I angered just because they're, they're making me mad? They're crossing me. They're inconveniencing me, disrespecting me. But here's the crucial phrase for us today from Proverbs regarding this topic. Um, and it's this, slow to anger. Since we've got kids in the room, we're going to repeat this after me. Can you say slow to anger? It's also translated as patient in a lot of your Bibles, but I really like uh, the translation that the ESV uses, what I'm preaching from today, that translates it as slow to anger. And this phrase appears four times in the book of Proverbs to describe the person of wisdom. But before we look at him, though, it's important to remember how we get wisdom. You remember, what is the beginning of wisdom according to Proverbs? You can talk back to me. The fear of the Lord. Proverbs 9.10 says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But that phrase, the fear of the Lord, takes us back to an earlier book in the Old Testament, the book of Deuteronomy, where God is renewing his covenant with his people after they've come out of Egypt. And just quickly, we'll look at this. Deuteronomy 10.12 says this, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? That's covenant language. What does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God. And he goes on to say to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve him with all your heart and soul. So the fear of the Lord is what is to characterize the people who are in covenant relationship with the God of the Bible. The people of, the, of God are to be a people who are characterized by the fear of the Lord, pursuing wisdom. And a characteristic of wisdom, as we're going to see today, is that they are slow to anger. So Read in that lens, you could almost say that the fear of the Lord leads to being slow to anger. So I have 
really two points today are going to move. The first one's going to be longer. second one's going to be short. But the first one is this. Being able to control your anger is essential for the people of God. And remember, as, as Pastor Bart has, has emphasized pretty much every week, Proverbs is written both to the individual and to the community. So it is about the individual follower of God, but it's also about the community of faith, the people of God. And being able to control your anger is essential for the people of God. As I said, there are four verses in Proverbs that talk about being four to anger. We're gonna start with this one. Proverbs 15, 18. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. This is a a contrasting verse, as so many verses in Proverbs are. This is what Dave really brought out a few weeks ago. Um, you have on one hand the hot-tempered man, the, the foolish man, really, and the wise person, the one who is slow to anger. The hot-tempered person creates strife even when there isn't any. He stirs it up. And the slow-to-anger person quiets strife when there is strife. Picture unhealthy conflict, kind of like a a fire that's gotten out of control and the, the, the foolish person, the quick-tempered person, they're throwing gasoline on the fire, whereas the wise, slow-to-anger person, they're throwing water on the fire. The wise person is able to rule over his emotions and quiet the strife. And if you remember what we said, that anger basically literally means in the Hebrew? Anyone Remember? Snorting nostrils. Well, slow to anger, a more literal English translation, it means in the Hebrew, long of face or to relax the face. Again, a very physical description of anger, to relax the face. One commentator says of this verse that this verse is describing the emotional intelligence of the wise that they have a great self-awareness, as Gabe talked about last week, a great self-awareness of their emotions, of the things that can trigger them, and they're able to to be aware of those, and the the things and the people that might trigger others, they're able to to rule over and to, to be patient with. And one of the ways, one of the main ways that Proverbs says that they do this is through the words that they speak, both the things that they say and the way that they say them. This is a verse that, my mom and dad had me memorize when I was a kid. Uh, Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh answer stirs up anger. Again, it's that same picture of quieting contention versus stirring it up. And if there's any phrase that I think describes our society, our culture uh, today, you probably knew I was going to go here, it's that we are a contentious, angry people right now in our, in our country. It's one where um, people are continually stirring up strife. If you, go, if you listen to talk radio, people are angry. If you watch cable news, both on the left and the right, people are angry. If you get on social media, for sure, people are angry. And just examine yourself for just a second. Just ask yourself. After I've partaken of a bunch of cable news, talk radio, social media, Am I more inclined to feel at peace or am I more prone to feel angry? I think we know the the answer to that question, but for some reason we keep going back to these things, right? Well, I think it's because anger has a way of, anger sells ratings. 
um, we're attracted to anger. Part of the, the research that um, I was doing to, to get ready for this, um, studies have found that we're more likely, according to what I read, we're more likely to perceive people who express anger, we're more likely to perceive them as competent, as powerful, as the kind of leaders who can get things done, overcome challenges. We're, we're attracted to angry leaders. One um, researcher put it like this, said, um, when we look at the brains of people who are expressing anger, they look very similar to people who are experiencing happiness. When we become angry, we feel like we're taking control, like we're getting power over something. And into this environment, this angry environment, Proverbs so speaks with wisdom that is timely for our moment. And there's this strong sense in Proverbs that we're about to see that how one handles their anger is very tied to their credibility in the public sphere. How you're perceived publicly, both as an individual and as a people, is very closely tied to how you handle your anger. Let me show you what I mean. First is this, Proverbs 14, 29 says this, whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but, there's another contrast verse, he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. That phrase exalts folly, that literally means to lift up, to hold up for all to see folly. It's a, it's a public idea of when you become known over time as someone who is just quick-tempered, who can't control your anger, that becomes a folly that is held up publicly for all to see. The flip side of this verse, that's basically saying the, the, the um, opposite of it is this, Proverbs 19.11, good anger, I'm sorry, good sense, makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. It's talking about forgiveness, being able to, to overlook an offense, not ignoring it, but being able to overlook, being able to forgive. And here's what I want to draw your attention to. His glory is likening forgiveness of sin to an attractive adornment, something that you would put on yourself to, to, to wear, to make you more attractive, to put it in modern day terms, maybe jewelry for a woman or, or a nice suit for, for a man. Um, it's, it's making you more appealing to, to the public. And so when you kind of put these two verses together, they complement each other so well. When you, hold, when you are slow, I'm sorry, when you are quick to anger, when you're hasty-tempered, you are literally exalting folly for all to see. You're kind of repelling people away to where they don't want to hear what you have to say. And when you are known as someone who is slow to anger, you can overlook an offense. You can work with an offensive person over time. That actually is to your glory, and it actually attracts people, appeals people to want to hear what you have to say. And so in a day where society is becoming more and more secular, less and less understanding of Christians, of those who follow Jesus, where they just, they don't get us, they don't understand us, they don't like us, they don't maybe even always have the accurate perceptions of us, it would be hard for me to overstate, I believe, the importance of learning how 
to control our anger as the people of God. Now, of course, there's plenty in society for us to get angry about. There are things that are right for us to get angry about. But listen, this is maybe one of the most important things I'm going to say. How we handle our anger and how we treat those who make us angry speaks volumes about those who claim to follow Jesus in this day and age, this angry age. Those in the church must be perceived as people who are slow to anger. Of course, the the world is going to do its thing. It's going to be angry. People are angry because they don't have the Spirit of God living inside of them to, to help them, to empower them to do this. But we, as the covenant people of God, are called to be a people who are slow to anger. I think Paul to move to the New Testament for just a minute, I think he picks up on this theme when he's talking about the characteristics that should describe the public leaders of the church, those who are kind of the, the public faces of the local church. He says in, in Titus um, 1, 7 and 8, where he's talking about what should leaders look like in the church, he says this, for an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered, or a drunkard, or violent, or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. The Apostle Paul cared deeply about the credibility of the gospel, about the credibility of the church in a, in a society that was pagan and that didn't understand it and that opposed it. And Paul said, we have got to be a people who are above reproach, who are slow to anger. Scott Saul's a, a, a pastor in uh, Tennessee. I think he, he says this. He says, Christians are a light to the world only to the degree that they stand out as different from the world. The world does not thirst for a religious imitation of its often outraged self. You can't scream at somebody and then ask them to follow you and to agree with you. And I know that this is, this is so contrary, this being slow to anger. This is so contrary to the world's way of doing things. The world says if you meet someone who opposes you, you, you just kind of push them out of the way. You dominate them. You crush them. And we're attracted, if we're thinking in, according to the flesh, we're attracted to that. As we saw earlier, we, we find angry leaders to be more appealing leaders. But Proverbs would say no. No. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit better than he who takes a city. So being able to control your anger is essential for the people of God. That demands the question, really, well, if it's essential for us, how do we grow? How do we get better in it? And the big picture answer is this. We develop control over our anger as we look to the character of God. Now, I don't want to oversimplify this issue. I, I As someone who is recovering um, and learning to control my anger, this is not a quick thing. This is not an easy thing. So I'm speaking in big picture terms here. But there's a principle throughout Scripture that we become like what we behold, right? We become like what we behold. What you fixate on, what you focus on, forms you. It starts to mold you and shape you after its image over time, for good or for bad, And so as we begin to to stare on the character of God and dwell on him, 
over time, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we begin to take on that character and reflect it as we're meant to, to image his character to the world. Remember, how many times did we say, do you remember how many times in the book of Proverbs we're told to be slow to anger? Four times. Four times actually in the Old Testament. Every time in the Old Testament that we're told to be slow to anger, it's in the book of Proverbs. We just looked at all four of them. But do you know, and to be honest, one time in the New Testament, James, James 1.19 says we'll be slow to anger, but four times in the Old Testament, we're called to be slow to anger. But how many times do you think God is described in the Old Testament as being slow to anger? Well, I save this for last because I think this is maybe the, the best news that we're going to hear today. And if you're someone who tends to think, well, the God of the New Testament is the God of grace because, you know, Jesus, but the God of the Old Testament, he's the God of wrath. I want you to listen to this closely. Four times in the Old Testament, we're told to be slow to anger. But 10 times in the Old Testament, God is described as being slow to anger. Over twice as many times as we're called to be slow to anger. God is described this way. And we don't have time to go through them all, but the awesome thing is literally from the beginning to the end of the Hebrew scriptures of what we would call the Old Testament, he's described this way. He's described this way in the books of the law. He's described this way in the Psalms. He's described this way in the prophets. He's described this way in the book of Nehemiah, which in the Hebrew Bible would have been part of the very last book in the Bible. So from the beginning to the end, Yahweh is described as a God who is slow to anger. It's essential to his character. And because God is slow to anger towards us, we can begin to be slow to anger towards others and slow to anger towards ourselves. I love, I don't think I have this quote up here, but David Pallison, again, this Christian counselor, I love how he defines this, what it means to be slow to anger. He says, to be slow to anger means you are willing to work with wrong over time. I love that. You're willing to work with wrong over time. You're not ignoring things that are wrong, but you're willing to work with it over time. And that's how God is towards me. And that's how God is towards you. And so that's how you can be towards others. I'm going to wrap up with this. Much of the anger in our country over the last several years, but especially the last year, has been over racial divides, racial tensions in our, our nation. I mean, you almost can't even bring up the topic of, of racial divides without someone getting angry um, because of something you said or something that you didn't say. You didn't say it quite right. And we're, we're very angry people over this. That's just, that's how things are. But I wanted to, to talk about someone who I think is bringing a, a, a different voice to the situation. Um, there's a guy by the name of Jonathan Tremaine Thomas, J.T. Thomas, who uh, he works with a group of, of believers, of, of Christians, of intercessors in the, the Midwest. And he will take them literally to the heart 
of some of the most violent situations, racial tension situations. Um, he, I think he's up in, in Ferguson, Missouri. But I was listening to a podcast this week where he was telling some of the stories of, uh, of things that he and his intercessors would do. But it, it was amazing. I mean, really contentious situations where you have protesters on one side, you have police, and they're, they're coming to blows. They're, they're very, very angry at each other. And he and his group of intercessors will come in and they'll literally change the atmosphere. As they carry the presence of God, literally the anger and the tension will start to decrease. It'll start to go down. The violence will start to go down. And he says almost to the minute, at least to the hour of when they would leave, when they would finally leave the situation, the anger would start to ramp back up and the violence would start to ramp back up to the point of where he says that the police have started saying, when they knew there's going to be a, a tense part of the city where there's going to be riots and they're going to confront angry protesters, they say, we got to get those Jesus people in here. And he said, you know, they don't, the police don't understand really all the spiritual dynamics of what's going on. But literally what was happening is the people of God who carry the presence of God are going into these contentious situations. They're being peacemakers. They're being slow to anger. And they're quieting the contention. And I believe that's what we're called to as the people of God. We, the people of God, who because of the new covenant of the gospel of Jesus, we are called into covenant relationship with the God who is slow to anger, 10 times slow to anger. And as we pursue wisdom, as we run after him, we are to reflect that and to be slow to anger in an angry age where people desperately need to know Jesus. That's what we're called to fullness. That's what we're called to church. Amen? So Father God, we thank you that you are a God who is slow to anger, that you're slow to anger with me, that you're slow to anger with the people here, God. I believe there's people here that need to hear that that they've been walking around on eggshells around you, worried they're going to make you mad. Or would you remind them of your character, that you are a God who is slow to anger? God, would you forgive us for where we have gotten angry about things that don't really matter and where we failed to get angry about things that really do matter? God, may, may our anger reflect yours. And may we be a people who go out into an angry world and reflect your character for the name of Jesus, for the sake of Jesus and the sake of the gospel, to draw many to the Son. We pray this in the name of Jesus and for his glory. Amen.